The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. Before we get started with this episode of Benched with Bubba, I want to tell you I am stoked to be collaborating with Rotoballer this 2020 season with the Bench with Bubba podcast joining the Rotoballer radio network. Since 2013, Rotoballer has been grinding away, providing millions of fantasy baseball players their fix for in-depth MLB analysis and player news. If you haven't heard, Rotoballer 2020 MLB Draft Kit is live, and all Bench with Bubba listeners can get 10% off Rotoballer's draft kit by using the discount code Bubba. Rotoballer is home to the number one fantasy pros accuracy ranker Nick Mariano. Nick's 2020 rankings and projections are available as part of Rotoballer's draft kit, along with printable cheat sheets, draft sleepers, and busts. More than 300 2020 player outlooks and tons of in-season tools. All this fantasy baseball goodness from Rotoballer is available for 10% off with a discount code Bubba. Just go to rotoballer.com backslash Bubba and get your draft kit today. They have tons of great stuff and you get premium with promo code Bubba, DFS, all the goodies. Use promo code Bubba, sign up at Rollerballer, get an extra 10% off with promo code Bubba. Now to tonight's episode of Bench with Bubba. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bubba and the Backflip, episode 47. After a week off, we are back. Uh, vacations and other stuff got in the way, but we have fantasy baseball for you here. It's a, it's a fun one these days out in the world of baseball. Injuries, injuries, injuries. A uh, little bit of COVID, not as much as normal, just a little bit. Um, we got we got all kinds of fun stuff to talk about, and uh, in order to do so, you can find me on Twitter at BDNTrick and the uh, Batflip portion of the podcast on Twitter at BatflipCrazy. Toby, how we doing, man? Uh, we're doing well, Bubba. Uh, today, I, I had a, an ice cream cake, a Baskin-Robbins ice cream cake earlier today. Nice. What uh, tomorrow, tomorrow, my um, six-year-old goes back to school. Ooh. Uh, so in first home, grade. First grade. What's that? At home, I'm assuming? Uh, it's uh, it's hybrid. It's like oh, okay. uh, gotcha. he's, in, uh, he's in going into first grade, so it's like a few days a week for a couple hours and then the rest is distance learning. So, gotcha. um, yeah, so we celebrated, uh, his kindergarten graduation, I guess, since we didn't get really get to do that. 
um, before um, with a Baskin Robbins ice cream cake, which is pretty much the best way you can, uh, <laughs> best part of anybody's day. Um, and I also have my new Padres hat on, which I'm, like you it. know, I'm rocking. I can never get the right size. It's like either seven and a quarter or seven and three eighths. And like, sometimes they're a little big, sometimes they're a little small, like depending. So mm-hmm. we'll see, but I'm jazzed to, uh, to be repping the, the San Diego Padres. But outside of that, everything is, is going pretty well. How about you? Yeah, not too bad. Just uh, fighting the heat, uh, 100 degrees for the last three days, and it's going to be 100 until probably next Friday. So tons of fun out here. It was 112 on Friday. That was so much fun. So much fun. So, um, yeah, we don't have that air conditioner because we don't need one here ever until now. So <laughs> this is, uh, this is it's really fun, really, really fun with a little uh, oh, five-and-a-half-week-old and all this heat. So uh, good times around the intricate household. But uh, other than that, we can't complain. We're healthy. We're having a good time. Baseball's on. So um, let's talk about baseball. We're going to do kind of recent news notes, how we can give what advice we can give for your fantasy teams. There's a lot of questions involved here, and we're not going to hit on all of it. There's a lot of prospect call-ups. I didn't really put that on the list. Uh, Some of them will be on the fab talk we talked about and whatnot, but there's a ton of things to to speculate on, and we're just going to kind of focus more on the injuries, how we can potentially, like the replacements, they have value, stuff along those lines. And we'll start in Colorado because I know it was a few weeks ago we were talking about Jairo Diaz as the guy and because, you know, Blake Davis was not the guy. Well, Diaz had another rocky outing today, and Carlos Estevez came in and finished it. But then he also had a line drive off his hand as to get an x-ray on his right hand, so he might be out. But moral of the story, Bud Black came out and flat out said he's kind of basically had enough, and we're going to go by committee around here, which is never fun for fantasy purposes to begin with. But what I want to ask you, Toby, because if it's a committee, I usually already stay away from Colorado to begin with. I know you've invested in Davis and Gyro and stuff. With a committee involved, where are you heading on this one? Well, Bubba, does anybody really want to trust what I have to say after being in on Wade Davis, Gyro, Diaz? Well, I mean, does it matter if, what if, I say? If they look at your uh, your overall standings, I'm pretty sure they're cool. <laughs> um, well, thank you for that. I'm glad that, that I can always point to that with all my yeah. bad decisions and just be like, they hey. Say, they say flags fly forever. Well, your flag's like trying to go up the pole right now. So yeah, you're, you're sure. trying to fly it. For sure. Um, yeah, I mean, the thing is, you know, Diaz is a little bit surprising to me. I really liked him. He's actually pitched really well for the Rockies the last little bit. I mean, not exceptional because it's so hard to do that for the Rockies, but, you know, all the skills were there, but he just hasn't been able to throw strikes. I mean, I think three walks today. Um, so yeah, so that's tough for me. The guy I invested in was Daniel Bard. I got him in a couple places. I think like had one $67 bid, uh, that I got him in one of my main events. Um, I had a couple others, you know, he's pitched really well. I think one thing that black might like about him, I think there's a few things organizationally, you know, he's already 35, right? So he's older. They don't have really have to worry about, you know, boosting up his value. He's obviously been a really good story. He's been the best pitcher in that bullpen, I think, pretty clearly. And and I think the thing that will stand out the most is that 0% walk rate. He has yet to walk a batter in uh, nine innings, and that, I think, is one thing that both Davis and uh, Diaz struggled with in that spot. Obviously, Estevez, um, uh, he he may be able to get the job, but because of that, you know, because he got the x-rays, I don't know what the situation is there. When you look at his numbers, too, they've never really jumped out at me. Even this year, he has a 1.5 whip, I think, uh, when I was looking. And so, um, you know, it's just, again, we're dealing with super small sample sizes here. But I think Bard's been the best person there. And I don't necessarily see a reason why he wouldn't get the chances. 
like that's what I oftentimes do is I look at usage and then I also look at like what are the what are the incentives they have not to give this guy the role and those don't really exist for Bard. So Bard is really the only guy that I'm investing in in that bullpen. Um, and again, I got him in a couple places. So that that I think would be my bet. I think that the lack of walks right now is a really big boost um, for him. And you know, and and you know, his his ERA isn't terrific, but when you look at like the fact that he's got a 3.93 BAB of against and this, you know. Uh, 66.7% strand rate. So he's been unlucky as well and still pitched relatively well. So for me, that, that, uh, that bodes well for him. So that's why I'm going, I'm putting all my eggs within the Colorado basket uh, with, uh, with, with Daniel Bard. Let's I'll see you in a couple of weeks when we try to decide who else uh, is going to be success, successful in the Rockies bullpen. Right. Yeah, it's wild. It's wild, and it's crazy because their starters like Marquez had a little rocky outing on Saturday, but overall he's been p- pitching great, even in his other core start. Sensatello's pitched pretty well. Uh, Freeland's pitching well, so they've they've had some guys really get it done in the starting rotation, which is surprising. Um, but Bard's been great, like you mentioned all, all the stats you, you mentioned there with the strikeout rates, the no walks, and um, it, it's going to be awesome when because Bud Black kind of didn't point to him, but said he'll kind of get the next chance. It looks like so. Mm. That's that's a big one there. He's still going to do the committee, he says, but you never know. Bard, you know, has a couple good outings at his. You know how that goes. But it'll, it'll be a great story to see because this is the guy that hadn't pitched in two, since 2013. He's battling injury after injury after injury. Most thought he'd never pitch again. Now here he is just looking amazing for the Rockies. So that'd be a, one of those, uh, you know, they'll make a, a Disney movie of it in like 20 years. So that's that's pretty pretty fun stuff there with Daniel Bard. Um, the next thing I want to mention is not on the outline, but it, uh, more news came out about a half hour ago. And I saw it on quick pitch while you were talking. Uh-oh. So I just wanted to bring it to everyone's attention is Tommy Pham. He missed some games over the weekend with some like numbness in his hand and some other issues. He played today, but got pulled in the game with more numbness in his hand. And they're saying he's going to have to go see a doctor tomorrow. So Tommy Pham, uh, Tommy Pham. Yes. That's why I want to bring it up because the latest I saw in Roto world was, about a half hour or so ago that said he's going to have to go see a specialist uh, or a doctor on Monday. So keep that in mind, folks. I'm speechless, Baba. I know. I, I didn't know if my internet broke Baba, from you, you want to know something? I had a Baskin-Robbins ice cream cake earlier today, and I was <laughs> on a high. And now you're telling me that Tommy Pham, the guy who's got like – 80% of my stolen bases in every single league I have is, is seeing a specialist. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, that's, you know, the thing about fam is the risk was always there, right? Mm-hmm. Like we know he's had arm issues, you know, he had that UCL that kind of held up, um, held up the deal from the raise. And so that, that I think might be the concern. I don't know enough about, you know, I'm not a, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a fantasy baseball podcaster. Um, but you know, I wonder if there's something connected there. Uh, which um, which is really sad. I mean, Fam is just, uh, he's a fun guy. He's a competitor. He's a fun guy to watch play. I love his attitude. I love his Twitter presence. I'm sure that will still be great. So hopefully it's nothing um, nothing major. They say, wow, our, our comments are full of key yep. information. You guys rock. KCP3 says, looking at his wrist. So we'll see. That sounds like an IL stint to me, yep. um, which again is is sad, but... As Simon Raquel points out here, maybe it's Edward Oliveira's time. That's, that's what I was going to ask you because he saw some time a couple weeks ago when there's other injuries, and they loved him in the minors. He's got a little bit of power and some speed. 
Um, I know he was a, a fab target a few weeks back, but I didn't know if uh, he, you know, he only hit 188 when he had his chances during that, that few week span, no steals, one homer, even in Coors, he had a run there. Didn't do any striking out over 41% of the time so far. So not a glaring endorsement uh, to, to the kid that played really, really well in the minors. You know, last year in, in double A, 18 homers, 35 steals a year for that 12 and 21. He's basically been a double digit homer and steal guy for the last three years. So the talent might be there. He just might be having a tough transition. He hasn't played since double A. So this is his first. Never know triple A, skipped it all. Here he is. Um, I'm not saying run out and get him, but if it's a serious thing, you might see some Oliveris regular playing time. Does that interest you at all? Yeah, for sure. Um, I think, you know, I think a lot of, a lot of sharp people were in on him even heading into the year uh, as kind of a guy who might see some time with all of the shipping out of outfielders that the Padres did. So I think that's a really good shout. I think he's got, he could have a lot of value. He's obviously going to bat, I think towards the end of the lineup, but mm-hmm. we know that some guys can produce that value. It obviously inhibits them a little bit, but um, you know, and that, and that lineup I think has been playing a little bit over their head. You know, I think that's one thing that we need to keep in mind is like, we're still dealing with really small sample sizes. And so some teams, you still got to look at who the players are that are composing that team to figure out whether you believe exactly in what's happening or not. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I think he's, he's worth a, he's worth a shot and, um, yeah. All right, let's talk Fran Mill Reyes because it was a topic of conversation the last few days for me because the Fran Mill's been unleashed. Uh, going into today's action over the last eight games, was hitting 483 with two homers, two doubles, um, only striking out 18% of the time while walking 12%, which I find to be a big win when it comes to Fran Mill Reyes. He's not like chasing things like crazy. So that's a plus. He's hitting everything hard as you'd expect. He hit two more home runs on Sunday uh, to keep things going. And then he got hit on the hand and left the game. But x-rays came back negative. They said a contusion. So I just want to talk about it just real briefly because people have been like asking, 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 is he going to play this week? Is he going to play? I would expect him to play. Maybe he misses a game or two. So if you just keep keep an eye out on Monday's news. But if it's just a contusion, it just depends on how much swelling he has overnight. And if it's not a lot of swelling, he'll be playing pretty pretty quickly. Any thoughts on Mr. Fran Reyes? No, I don't, I don't think so. Um, I mean, I think one thing that's really key to do at this point in the season, right, is, again, we're still dealing with super small samples. It doesn't feel that way. I don't know about you, but it feels like we've been playing for, like, months. You know, it's just from, like from, from we're all exhausted. For six months, it feels like we've been playing for quite a while, yeah, yes. You're right. It's just – it's crazy. <laughs> so um, so it, it feels like a long time, but, you know, for Fran Mill, he's got 77 – plate appearances, I think. And so I think it's a really good time to just kind of review, review some of the underlying metrics to see, you know, where he might be at. Right. So, you know, he's hitting 292, which is awesome. You know, he's also has a 375 BABIP, you know, which is way above what his career average is. When you look at his profile and I'm not trying to be a downer here, I'm just kind of trying to point out and then process wise thinking about what to expect. His ground ball rate is actually up 12%, 13% this year, you know, fly ball down 7%. Um, hard hit rate is there. Obviously a lot of the contact metrics are the same. So he looks pretty much like the same guy to me, but he's, you know, he's hitting a, lo- a few more ground balls this year. So I think from a injury perspective, I mean, what you said makes a ton of sense about the contusion, but just from a value perspective, I think that's one thing is we're going to have guys and they're going to go on runs. And depending on when they're going on runs, I think we always kind of get the, get in our sense that this is something that's going to continue. But 
always look at that filter. I'm always thinking about who the competition that they're playing against mm-hmm. are as well. Like, because especially in a shortened season like this, it's like very think. difficult to pr- predict. What's that? Is that the central doesn't stink to play against. So it doesn't stink to play against. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, especially if you know on the Indians, right? It's like mm-hmm. all the other pitching staffs. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, so that's obviously he's something he's got going for him. But I think just, um, yeah, I mean, it's really hard to predict when these things are going to start and end, but looking at competition and things like that are great. So I see Fran Mill is like pretty much the same guy that we all thought heading into the season. Hopefully that ground ball rate gets down here in the, in the next little bit and we start to see potentially even more home runs. Maybe that's part of what's happening right here is just a little bit of positive regression in that ground ball rate. So we'll see. Okay, I'm going to throw some curveballs at us because these guys are being awesome in the chat section. So those are Oh, man, those guys are I don't want to answer any Nats questions about stolen bases, okay? Those, guys, those that are listening to the podcast later at a different time, we do stream this live on YouTube and um, uh, Periscope and all that good stuff. So if you come and join us, we'll answer your questions in between our other stuff. So Rinaldi, a very frequent uh, question giver to the show, we're going to ask this question, Toby, because I'm curious of it as well. What are you guys doing with Eaton Robles steals from the Nats? Because, you know, Turner isn't stealing bases. None of these guys aren't. And we all love them for steals. Um, Eaton's starting to hit the ball a little bit. Robles hasn't done a ton. Turner's hitting the ball a lot now. He's hitting with power. Like, he's getting on and doing his thing. He's just not stealing bags. The Nats' offense kind of opened up over the weekend. I'm not panicking yet because there's still so much time in theory. Like you said, I feel like we've been playing forever. It, like, any one of those guys, especially Robles, he can have a four weeks, like a four steal week, and next thing you know, you're back at it. So, what are you doing with these Nats guys? Because I think you drafted them for a reason. They're not like on dire straits, so I can't give up on them just yet. Um, yeah, I mean, I was having a great time heading into this podcast, and now all these topics are being broached that are that are very personal to me. Um, no, I mean, I think I think you got to look in the totality of the player, right? I mean, with a guy like Robles, it's painful. I have him in a bunch of places. I've been a big proponent of his. And the value is based on stolen bases, right? We were, you know, the, the stolen bases give the home runs value. The stolen bases give the batting average value. They give, you know, the overall, like, he's nothing without that, right? He's just a regular guy. And I think that's a really difficult predicament to be in. But it's also like when you build your team, yes, you should have diversified stolen bases, but you didn't predict that he was going to have zero stolen bases, right? Like I think he was projected for like 12 or something like that. Most projection systems. So, okay. He has a bad season. Maybe it's six, you know, or something like that. So the zero is, is, is super painful, but I think it's what you said, right? You drafted him on your team with that in mind. They're going into a really nice stretch of games here. Mm -hmm. I mean, this week, I think, what do they have? They have Baltimore. um, And then, uh, uh, let me just get it right in front of me just so I'm not lying to people. Oh, they have Atlanta, which is a really good stolen ba- team to steal against. They have Miami, which is a pretty good team to steal against. So I-, I think generally, and then after that, they have like the Phillies that are great to steal against and the Red Sox that are great to steal against and the Phillies that are great to steal against and the Braves that are great to steal against and the Rays that are great to steal against. So I think it's it's going to come here, you know, and I, and you're just hoping that um, you're just hoping that, that it isn't anything. And the thing about Robles too, is like, I think he's hitting 275 now. He's had a little bit of a run. So the thing is, let's be patient. Like he, he needs to go on a run and get those stolen bases. If you're in a shallower league, I'm seeing somebody dropped him in a 12 team league. Yeah. You may be able to compensate for that in a 15 team league. Like it's chance. really hard. Yeah. yeah. And so you really just got to stick with them and hope that they turn it around. And well, maybe let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question. 
So let's let's just ha- let's have fun because some of these guys are on the waiver wire right now. Like I I picked him up in deeper leagues, but I saw in other leagues I was doing fab. He's still available. How about a guy like Victor Reyes or Victor Robles? Yeah. Victor Reyes, who's stealing for the Tigers right now. But we're, we we know Robles' talent's probably better for sure. But he's not doing it where Reyes is right now. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's one of the things where it's like so difficult because you have all this draft capital invested. But that would be a situation where I'd play the matchups. You know, is like is like I would take a look at the schedule, and Fast is telling me that he's still being platooned, maybe. No, so he's been um, playing almost every day. He he's playing okay. Week. Now I got Bubba saying he's been playing almost every day. <laughs> so we got I've got a lot of things going on here, but uh, I think for me, like this is where I think you can really you can get out the most value by really playing matchups, right? So like right now, I know that the Nationals are playing the Braves, and Robles should theoretically be in the lineup every day. That's a matchup that I want because I know the Braves are really bad at holding holding, holding runners. At least that's the, the bias I have in my head. So I want him in there. Whereas I think the, the Tigers are playing the White Sox this week. And they've got four games versus the Nats three to start out the week. But I think you'd want to just want to do the analysis. And I don't think the White Sox are that easy to start to steal against with Grandal back there. And I don't think they have kind of like a uh, – they're not known for that where a lot of the NL East teams are. So, you know, in this particular instance, I might play Robles in this situation. You know, if it was a different matchup, then I might go um, Reyes as well because he is stealing. And that's where mm-hmm. a lot of Robles' yeah. value is coming from, in addition to the power, right? Is is Definitely. We don't think of him as being powerful, but 14 home runs over the course of a full season, you know, with his exit velocity potential, um, I think is something that, that Reyes doesn't necessarily have. Um, so that's that's kind of how I would approach that particular question. But I think it's a good one. And I think that's really how we have to be trying to maximize the value in our rosters. I think one of the challenging things about this year is there's been so many injuries and so many changes in the lineup and so many canceled games. It's almost like it's hard. It's hard to do that. It's hard to kind of trust that. It's more just trying to get enough healthy guys and enough guys who are playing in your lineups, which takes away, I think, a little bit of that edge of, playing matchups because at this point it's just like kind of like a war of attrition you know um, yeah and that's that's something we've we've seen like you mentioned the, the missed games and stuff people can't just look at stats for the season because there's a lot of teams like if you look at the cardinal stats that's gonna be a lot of fun and there's yeah. other teams that are, like the marlins they're playing some good ball right now but they've missed a lot of time i think some of the starting pitchers have two starts like you really can't use those uh, when you go back and look at things but Let's do some a couple of rapid fires here. Um, Joe, we, this was a while back. Joe G fourteen asks um, Daniel Bard, who we were talking about a second ago with the Rockies, or Sergio Romo. And the question for Sergio is because he has a couple steals or saves this year, and he got one today because Taylor Rogers pitched the eighth and Romo pitched the ninth. And I actually put bids in on Romo last week for this reason because we saw it last year with Baldelli. He flat out said he'll put Rogers in in the most important moments. We saw a lot of six out saves for Rogers. A lot of uh, just kind of only pitched the seventh and eighths in. A lot with Rodgers last year. Still had a great season, but there's a, it's going to happen. So Romo's going to get his, like you said, he got four staves. I'd rather have Romo than Bard because, A, the Twins are a better team. And uh, even if Romo pitches the eighth, his ratios are solid. Um, what about you? Yeah, it's a great question. He has three three saves, actually, not four, um, like I thought now. Um so I, I think that for me, you know, whatever I think in my mind, in my bids, I had Bard higher. I had Bard, I think, at 67 bucks. I think I had Romo at 25 I picked up Romo a bunch of different places as well, um, in places where I needed to speculate for saves. I think he's a really good, I think he's a really good guy to have kind of in your lineup for when you like the matchups a lot. Um, Romo's obviously started off the season super well. 
He's also got a 0.077 Babbitt, you know? Um, so I think these are the types of things where it's like with Romo, I'm like, he's great to have in there because I do think on any given week, I mean, right now he's averaging a save a week, which is not nothing. And so, you know, um, so I think it depends on like whether you need that steady stream of saves where maybe doing the speculation on Bard and getting a full set of saves is worth it versus Romo where you're just trying to kind of piece it together. Maybe you already have two closers and this is your third closer in like a nine pitcher league, something like that. So I think that's how, how I would kind of frame it. But my bids were higher for Bard. So I'll say that I'd rather have Bard. Um, I do think Romo is valuable to have in there. You know, my only concern with him is I think he's a guy who one of these days is going to get shelled pretty good. Um, because while I think he's good, you know, and he's always been able to maintain it, he's not he's not the Sergio Romo we knew, you know, with with the Giants. Like he's always been kind of solid, not spectacular. And I think right now, just some of the underlying metrics for me point a little bit towards, you know, some some regression. But, you know, I think they're pretty similar. They're similar enough. Uh, Yankee fan 0203 or 0223 asks Ross Detweiler or for a speculative ad. And the question here is a uh, bummer going down and Colin is closing great. There's no questions what he's doing. It's fine there. They, uh, they DFA Kelvin Herrera a while back. So Detweiler seems like he's the next man up. He hasn't given up a run all year, but only seven strikeouts and 10 innings pitched. When I, if I'm taking a, a speculative ad on a reliever, I want either wins. You better be in a saves and holds league or strikeouts. Like I want the strikeouts to help me with my ratios and all that stuff. He's not striking guys out, so you're hoping he comes in and becomes a closer with not elite strikeout stuff. I'm going to pass on Detweiler. Do you have any interest in Ross Detweiler? Oh, he's saying they say Detweiler might start. Um, no, oh, I don't really have any interest in, in Detweiler. I mean, just look at his career, right? Like, he's never had an ERA. He's even that, worse as a starter. He should stay in the bullpen. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you look at his ER, like his lowest ERA, you know, which is not a good metric, is 450, and he only threw six innings. So he's been at like in the sixes, you know, my, if my memory is serving me correctly, like from his repertoire, like what I'm looking for is a guy who brings a lot of velocity or who has a repertoire that allows him to strike out a lot of guys. If he's going to be in, in it, regardless of the situation. And I don't really think that he has the pitch mix to necessarily do that. And so what may be interesting us uh, is the fact that he has pitched well out of the bullpen but remember, he's going to lose. He's going to lose velocity, um, you know, when he gets when he moves from the, the bullpen to the rotation. And so you'd expect, you know, yeah, like his sinker is up about half mile per hour from last year. You'd expect that to go down, you know, if he were to move from the bullpen to the rotation. Then you're also thinking if he's in the bullpen, he's got to get worked up to even get to five innings. So I think there's a lot better speculative ads for from my perspective, unless you're in a super deep like. Ale only where anybody who breathes is, um, you know, is valuable. Um, in which case, you know, why not? But for me, like he just doesn't necessarily have, have what I would be looking for um, from a guy who could succeed or be something partic- something like even relevant. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's kind of where I'm at. He's never really been a guy that jumps off the page as a pitcher that's had that fancy relevance for me, especially not striking guys out. Just cross them off the list. I say that all, all the time for pitchers that I'm targeting. Uh, another question here from um, – where was I just reading it? That There's so many questions. This keeps flying. Oh, Yankee fan, also had this one. Are you scared about Yellick's ground ball percentage? And I'm going to say he it's up to 53.5% this year after 43 last year. 
But prior to last year, is 51.8, 55.4. That 51.8 year, he still, um, last time I checked, he uh, hit 36 home runs, stole 22 bags, hit 326. So um, is, is it ideal? No. Is it going to scare me off of Christian Yellick? No. Uh, if you look at his, his X stats and everything, they're, you know, he's hitting buck 94 on the years. His X bag average 251. His X will bacon's 507. Like, they're all down from what we've seen the last couple of years, but they're still very, very strong. Like, 45 and a, or 46 and a half percent hard hit rates, like the lowest he's had since 2017. And it's still a very, very good hard hit rate. So uh, it, it's so early out the gate here. Uh, we, there's been tons of great articles written about uh, hittings behind pitching. And in this past weekend, we kind of saw hit, hitting come back. But I kind of take that with a grain of salt because there's like two good pitchers on most staffs and then I'm just garbage. So it's going to be a bunch of bad days. I'm not going to worry about Christian Yelich's ground ball rate. Are you going to worry about Christian Yelich's ground ball rate? No, not really. Um, you know, I don't pay a ton of attention this early on. Like I know I mentioned Fran Mil Reyes earlier about how his ground ball rate was up, but like batted balls, it takes a little while um, to become a little bit more reliable just because like, if you think about it, you know, if there's 77 plate appearances, Christian Yelich is, what is he striking out in 31% of them already? And he's walking in the other in like, 12% of them. So he's essentially only putting, he's only put in play like maybe 40 balls in play or something like that this year. So it's just a very small sample size that we're dealing with. So I'm less worried about that. I mean, I think it's pretty clear that he was struggling at the beginning of the year, you know, just a lot of hitters are behind, especially a lot of elite hitters so far this year um, have been really behind on where they usually are. And again, like using super small sample sizes here, super small sample sizes here, but like, if you look at his contact rate, it's way down for the year. But in the last five, you know, it's back up to where it normally is, actually higher, you know, than it normally is. And so I think that's a pretty good indication that he's starting to see the ball a little bit better. And so what I would anticipate is, you know, that with that improvement in contact, we're also going to see that ground ball rate come down a little bit. It may be that it doesn't go back down as far as it, you know, as low as it got last year. But um you know, it gets, it gets, it get, it'll, it'll go down. Um, and so I think one of the key things with Yelich too, is that he doesn't need a ton of fly balls to be a power hitter because he's one of those guys that just has elite, you know, when he hits the ball in the air, he just absolutely destroys it. Um, and so I wouldn't be too worried about him. I think, I think he's in, he's going to be in good shape. Okay. I'll get to some more listener questions in a minute, but you said you were having a great day and it just got kind of pooped on earlier. Um, mine just got pooped on pretty good. A, uh, Bo Bichette, who I was already put on the 10-day IL because of a knee issue. What is it? Break, like a- the, the breaking news, a source in Buffalo says the injury to Bo Bichette is worse than expected. The right knee sprain, it's still a sprain, but it's pretty bad apparently, could keep the young shortstop out until at least mid-September. So I don't know if that Sorry, means any rehab till mid-September, but that's the season basically. Like this is going to be just – it sucks because he was starting to absolutely destroy things. He was, he was, he was, what, I, what I wanted him to do that everyone said I was crazy for thinking about doing. Like, it was there. And, I said uh, it, Baba. I said you were crazy. Yes. That is a total bummer. I mean, he has looked sharp. Um, and so that's really that's really disappointing. I'm sorry, man. That's, no, I just uh, wanted to bring it up because I just saw it. I was looking at listener questions that were on the, the Twitter. And I'm like, oh, no. It was the first thing that popped up. Scott Jenstead was crying because – and for good reason, because he said it's like the seventh injury to his team, and he's pretty much done. So um, I, I feel him. I feel him. Yeah. Circular Carpet asks, and this is a fun question, because um, 
uh, Rob So mentioned on Twitter about like uh, the double headers now with the seven inning double headers. It's basically a game and a half worth of at bats a day. So yeah. if you, if you want to say at bats are king, which is what I kind of think about in this small sample, obviously that's be good at bats, but at bats are king. Do you attack these guys? And so circular underscore carpet ass with all the double hitters the cards are going to have, should we be targeting more Cardinal players for their at-bats going forward? I think it's a tough one because, yes, like uh, Phil's work and, you know, that's um, – it's great. There's some assumptions built in, right? Like the yeah. assumption is that the guys are going to play both of those games, right? And so if they don't play both of those games, then they're actually losing games. Right. And so it depends on who they are, what their position is. And, you know, they're going to sit guys because it's just not they're not going to run the same guys out for 52 games over the next 40. So the question is, you know, let's say you have guy X and it's like they have what, 52 games in 40 days or something. Let's just use that as the example or something like that. So they have 12 games where there's double headers. So you have your 40 regular games that are the same that everybody's going to play. And then you have 12 games that are that are essentially um, worth 1.5. But let's say you only play in six of those, right? So six times 1.5. So well, actually, so there's so there's 12 games in those six days. Oh God, I shouldn't have done math, Bubba. Yeah, you so just, essentially you just like stick with 52 and 40. Just stick there. <laughs> well, you're at 52 and 40, right? But 12 of the games are being played on six days. Yeah. And I'm in like the SATs here. I shouldn't have gone down this route, but now I got to finish it. Just spell your so, name correctly. And you're, so, you're happy. so essentially, yeah. So if a guy plays uh, in six of those games, then, well, you think he's going to play in six. So then it would be nine games. So nine times 1.5 is what? Like, I give up. It's nine. It's nine games. Thank you, guys. What would I do without the commenters? It's nine games. Essentially, they're playing nine games. So they're playing 49 games instead of 52 games. You know, and so I think just using that math, yes, it's probably a boon. But, like, don't don't just assume, like, that Dexter Fowler is valuable because he has those extra games, right? I guess that's what I'm trying to say is like a lot of the guys who are valuable on that team are probably already owned. And yep. so a guy like Tyler O'Neill, yes, absolutely. Um, I tweeted about him last week. He's made, he seems like he's making some changes, very small sample size, but it seems like those actually started at the end of last year or in the last time he was in the majors. So those are some good examples. However many games it is, I don't know the math. Phil's smarter than I am. I need people <laughs> to do it for me. He's a robot. Um, you know, just, just, um, yeah, just realize that, uh, yeah, somebody's saying it's 13.5 games. I, yeah, I don't know. All right. I'm so, just, um, I'm just Chuck- a guy. I'm just a guy with a fantasy baseball podcast. And he's like first in the overall school. Uh, Chuck, donate. I'm not, uh, I'm not first in the overall. It's, that's not true. It's yeah. not true. There are people ahead of me. For now. Uh, Chuck, donate says, Good evening, gents. Well, good evening to you as well. Um, would you stream this week? Solak, Gritchick, Reddick, Chris Taylor. Who would you stream this week? Um, Grit, Gritchick, Reddick. Chris Taylor and Nick Solak. That's a good one. Um, you know, I think the thing the thing that is challenging for me in with these types of questions is that 
every single thing you do, if you're playing Roto, that is, if you're playing Roto, it's all contextual, right? Like at this point in the, in the season, you know what your strengths are, you know what your weaknesses are, relatively speaking. Um, and so it's all contextual because what you want to do is you want to look at, okay, who, who, what is, what is the, so if I'm deciding between those three, is this a util spot? If it's just a util spot, right? Okay. Do I need power? Do I, do I need speed? Do I need runs? Do I need batting average? Like what exactly is it that I need? And I would have that dictate most of the decision for me. Like Randall Grichuk. Yes. He has, he has eight games this week. There's uh, I think three or four lefties in there. Uh, Dave Petrozello is telling me five lefties. So you've got a lot of lefties in there. So that's great for Grichuk. I think he's a really good stream this, this, this week. I mean, you know, in my 15 team leagues, he's just in my lineup this week, right? Cause he's got the Orioles and he's got some other and the Red Sox, I think, or something like that. It's just a really good, it's a really nice week for, for him. Solak though is also hitting really well. He's also got the possibility of speed, which Grichuk really doesn't have. You know, um, and and they've also got a decent. I mean, the Padres are not. They actually have a good rotation. So I may I may be lying about that. Um, and then the other guys were Reddick and Chris Taylor. I wouldn't do Reddick just because I don't think Reddick's that good. Um, and then Chris Taylor, I think, is really interesting. Well, like the, he's playing pretty much every day. He gets you steals. The batting average is going to be a little shady, but in OBP leagues, he's helpful because he walks a lot. And then he's in a really stellar lineup. And then the Dodgers are playing. Um, the They're Dodgers playing are playing Seattle Angel, and Colorado, yeah, right? And not in Coors, but those are pretty good matchups. So if I were, depending on what my needs were, I'd say that probably the top of that would be Grichik and Taylor. Would probably I, think be the, that. I think the reason he put uh, Reddick on there is they play in Coors twice. Yeah, but I mean, Reddick, Reddick's not that good. Like he just doesn't. I know, do I'm just saying. I'm pretty sure that's why. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, t- oh, totally. I mean, it's a good, it's a good question, but I don't think that necessarily changes the dynamic for Reddick for me. Like he's a guy who gets a ton of plate appearances, but even with that, he's not even necessarily a compiler. And Coors is great for getting hits and stuff like that, but from a power perspective, it's 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 above average, but it's not like elite for power, and he really doesn't bring that anymore. So for me, I just wouldn't be that interested in Reddick, you know, just because I, I don't think he does much. Yeah, uh, I'd go Grichik. It stinks that they're going on the road for most of the week because uh, they have Coors Field playing now in Buffalo. So that's a lot of fun. But I think Grichik's going to play. He's pretty much already playing regularly. But with the Bichette injury, we could see Gurriel going back to like shortstop and you can get a lot more Grichik time. So that could be fun as well. So I like Grichik uh, in that situation. Solak's not bad, but uh, I'd go with Grichik for sure. Uh, Samsky NYC asked Robbie Grossman, do you believe? I believe I've talked about him every single day on my daily show because he just produces, he fills the stat sheets. He, like, he doesn't, he's not like a, a world beater, but if you look at the fab results this week, he went in a lot of leagues because he's starting to produce pretty regularly in a very good Oakland offense. Um, I'm, I'm a believer of Robbie Grossman. He's playing every day, but uh, do you believe in Robbie Grossman, Toby? Because he's finally doing it right now. Yeah. I mean, um, everything looks, relatively legit you know i mean he's got a really great approach um he's got the stolen bases yeah i mean i thought for some reason i had in my mind that he was a lefty only but i guess he's a switch hitter he switch hitter is he playing every day yep pretty much every single day and he's hitting like sixth or seventh and he's producing every single like if he's not getting hits he's walking like twice and scoring he's stealing bags here and there he just stuffs the stat sheet like does something every day well, kudos to people who picked him up this week because 
I was uh, I was somewhere else. <laughs> I, I was I was in the redwoods, literally in the redwoods of uh, of Northern California, uh, while all this was happening, and so uh, so I missed that. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, he's just got a really solid approach. I think I think you you spelled that out. Like he gets on base. He's he's an Oakland kind of guy, right? He's like kind of a money ball kind of kind of character. So um, I'm gonna go back to the outline for a second to help ask yep. answer this next question for Simon Raquel. Um, I wanted to mention Jacob DeGrom on Sunday. He played catch. Good for him. I don't know if he had a catch, played catch, threw the ball around. I don't know. But he played catch, they said. But they said it went well, which was good. And they're hoping he could rejoin the rotation at the end of the week. Now, that doesn't make me feel warm and fuzzy that uh, he's, he's back. I know it's Jacob DeGrom. If he starts, you want Jacob DeGrom out there. But in a weekly league, like we talked about this a, a couple weeks ago at Strasburg, and he pitched a couple innings and made another start. We'll get to him later. That's not good. But um, do you tr- are you going to roll the dice with the Grom? Because let's just I got it up right here. Like if he's going to play at the end of the week, they're playing the Yankees. Yeah. So are you going to roll the dice with the Grom? Uh, it's contextual because like like a good example. I have a main event team where my first two starters were Degrom and Strasburg. Yeah. Strasburger. I think I just called him Strasburger, which is actually kind of a cool name for him. I thought that works um, great. Sorry about that, Stephen. I just gave you a new nickname. Yeah. Uh, but um, I'm going to put that in my emojis. I'm going to, in my emojis, when I put it, it out, nice it's going to be Strasburger. Strasburger. Yeah. Not to be confused with Boss. You got a burger thing. Burger. I need You're to find what Strauss. Strauss is like uh, Levi Strauss. Levi Strauss, Levi Strauss, the Strauss. The there you go. Company. I'm going to do Gene Berger. Gene Berger. Um, so I think that, um, um, yeah, it's all contextual. So in that league, I'm starting him because I'm down in K's. And to be honest with you, there's nobody on my roster. I don't feel good enough about my starting rotation that, you know, and I read something, I read a note earlier about how they were maybe try to line him up to go against the Yankees just because that's a big series, mm-hmm. you know, for them. Um, and so that just kind of lines up for me. So in that league, I would, if I had like, if I had reasonable guys to go instead of him, I would probably go in a different direction. But remember, yes, the Yankees are hitting really well, but again, remember who's in their lineup and who's not, they're not going to be the same Yankee lineup, you know, and, and DeGrom is DeGrom. I think regardless of the lineup, it does not matter. Like, where he is, you know, he's in the lineup for me because of that fastball, you know, and just, and he's just so good. So I think I probably would lean towards having him in there because I do think that him throwing on Sunday, you know, kind of lines him up to go Friday, Saturday, something like that. So I think, I think that the, the stars are kind of aligning on that, but if I had like a, if I had a decent option to put in for him instead, then I would probably not do it. But again, like in that particular league, I'm down in K's. I'm not going to make up K's by streaming, you know, whoever on the waiver wire, right? It's just, this is not going to happen. So, um, yeah. All right. Um, let's go to some more questions here. Do, 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 um, yeah, yeah, and see, yeah. Bellinger, Acuna, Trey, and Lindor all have slow starts. Alonzo, he just lists them off. Yep. It's, it's fun. It's fun. It's really good stuff there. Um, let's go to another part of this. Just uh, a roll to Chapman coming back on Monday. Um, Britain got another save. I think he's got six or seven saves now. Like he's been ridiculous. Whoever paid Fab for him might be the best Fab buy so far this season. Out of all the goofy Fab buys, he's paid off. Um, are you? 
I, you're probably starting Chapman. That's, not, that's a dumb question, but what do you think they're going to do there? Because I think they slow play Chapman back in there. He might get a save here and there, but I think Britain still gets some. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I think I think Chapman is going to be the guy when he's back. Um, I think they'll have him in there. They they've it seems like they've taken their time with him. Like he's because he get he he got out. He was he he was he was he's been back for over a week, right? Throwing. I think. Uh, he's been throwing. He's ramped up and ready to go. There's activating him. Yeah, on yeah, he's yeah, fine. Yeah, I think he's going to go back. I think he goes back in there. Um, you know, I'm not a huge Zach Britton guy necessarily. You know, he's kind of in the right place at the right time. Let me just review here real quickly. Yeah, I mean, he's been he's been fine. You know, 158 Babip. Not really striking guys out. 7.4% K minus walk rate. You know, throwing a lot of balls. Um, you know, so he's been kind of making it by stranding a lot of runners, which isn't necessarily something that he's he's gonna be gonna be doing um that he, he hasn't done in the past. But I think Chapman is Chapman, and I think when he's back, he'll be there. I think they wouldn't if they had any concerns, I don't think they would have because of what how well they're doing, I don't think it made sense to bring him back unless he was kind of ready to dive right in yeah no doubt about it uh yankee fan also asks he's in need of a catcher in a points league he has wilson ramos uh he wants to know if the new, new dodgers catch us kyber ruiz is a better pickup what i'm going to say is i tweeted it out earlier people forget i have kyber in dynasty leagues he was the future of the dodgers before will smith will smith got hot at triple a he's like a year ahead of him or so will smith got his chance will smith's banged up right now all the reports already came out like vlad Settler was uh, talk uh, retweeting beat reporters and stuff. Kyber is going to be there and play until Will's healthy. But if he keeps hitting, he'll stick around. So there's a lot of ifs is what I'm trying to tell you. Like the talent's legit. He could be their starting catcher to start next season. There's no question about it. For this season, even as good as Will Smith was last year, Barnes was splitting time 50-50 with him out the gate. Like they're going to move guys around. So am I saying he's a must pickup? I'm going to say no, but I'm scared to say no because I know the talent level is awesome. I just don't think he's going to play enough being a Dodger. What about you, Toby? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I would, I agree with you. Um, it's always hard when these prospects come up, right? Because mm-hmm. um, we all get kind of visions of the last great prospect that came up and really thrived was. But you know, Steamer has him as a, at two four, hitting two forty eight. I mean, last year, you know, before we went to AAA, which has the crazy ball, you know, he hit uh, two fifty four with four home runs in 310 plate appearances, you know, he doesn't strike out at all, um, which is great, but you know, it doesn't look like there's a ton of pop, even though he hit a home run today, but with a lot of these questions, I mean, I also think that it's hard because I, I don't spend as much time looking at prospects as maybe I should. So we always, we have great people in the industry, you know, uh, like James Anderson, like folks over at prospects live, there's just a ton of folks who are more knowledgeable on this type of thing. So I would say, I would say I would lean towards reaching out to them, but just based on what I see, like, I just think it's, you know, I think, you know, maybe you hit gold, but I don't see it. Yeah. It's tricky. It's very, very tricky. Didn't help that he went deep in his first at bat. So that didn't help at all, but uh, the hype is real. We'll see. I can't wait to see if he has a, a semi good week this week, what he goes for in NFPC leagues next week. That'll be a lot of fun. Um, we're gonna. I'm gonna cherry pick the the notes now, but this one needs to be discussed. Kirby Yates, he struggled this year. 
we knew there was issues. He left injured, had an MRI. He has bones chips in his elbow. That doesn't speak well. Amelia Pagan hasn't pitched the greatest. Pomerantz has been awesome. I'm on team Pomerantz here. At the same time, I wouldn't be shocked if it's kind of a lefty-righty thing. What are you doing with the, the Padres closer situation? Pomerantz all the way, man. Yep. Um, even today, I mean, Pagan was in. He blew the lead. You know, He gave up Trevor Richards. Uh, not Trevor Richards. Garrett Richards' win. Threw it out the window by giving up a three-run home run. He was coming in the eighth, right? Yep. So I think it's been pretty clear. Like when Yates isn't there, it's Pomerantz's job. Pomerantz does he's dominating everybody. Um, he's been dominating everybody now for about a full season. So I put in a three hundred and seven dollar bid in one of my online championships for Pomerantz because he was he was on the wire there. So I'm hundred percent on Team Pomerantz. I think. Um, you know, it's pretty clear that Yates has struggled. And so a lot of his struggles could be very much explained by arm issues. And so I don't think this is going to be a short-term thing. Maybe it will be, but I think Pomeranz is, is a dominant reliever and I think he'll be the closer there. Yeah. I've, I've been on chairs of Pomeranz even before this, just for the ratios and everything. I've been a fan of that all season. He's been great and uh, it's paid off and he's not available in many leagues I'm in. So I'm glad you got a piece of him this weekend because not around. Um, I mean, it's so it's so lucky. It's like he was owned in eighty three percent of online yeah. championships. You know, twelve team leagues. Toby runs good, folks. Toby runs real good. See? Well, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, you know, in some leagues, it's it's like that. I mean, those are just like the breaks. Like I had, I was in the one main event league where Garrett Hampson was dropped last week. Oh wow! You know, someone dropped Garrett Hampson. Somebody dropped Garrett Hampson, and you know, and and you know, they dropped him last week before this week, Great and player. we don't know what was going on, but. You know, he was 97% owned in main events. He was available in my league. And I just so happened, it's it's the league I share with my buddy, um, Andrew Matney. And, you know, we just so happened to lose DJ LeMayhew this week, you know, and we're down in steals. So we had a $407 bid for Garrett Hampson, which I did you get never, I never put in a bid that big, I think, on MFBC in my life. And did we got it? it. So it's just, those are like the... Those are, the, those are the breaks, you know, that 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 can sometimes go your way and, and alternatively, like, don't go your way, right? Where the closer to be who you can put a big bid on was actually picked up last week by somebody who's much smarter than you, you know? So those are just the, the way that it kind of rolls. Yeah, no doubt about it. So Rinaldi asks a question, would you be okay dropping Victor Caratini for Sean Murphy in a shallow 12-teamer? That's tricky. Uh, I know we're both Caratini guys. Murphy, I like the profile. He's starting to hit a little bit right now, so I could see the, the the enjoyment factor there. I think I still want Caratini, though. What about you, Toby? Yeah, you know, I, I was having this debate uh, during Fab period because I have Caratini in a couple spots, and I was just trying to think. I was like, man, two runs, four RBIs, zero home runs. Like it's just painful to see that on your on your team, um, and. But I think the key that you got to look at is you got to look at plate appearances. You got to look at at bats and the guy, he has 50 close to 50 plate appearances. So, and yeah, they were maybe pushed up a little bit more heavily towards the beginning of the season, but I I give him, I gave him one more week uh, because he's got, there's a couple double headers this week against the Cardinals. So I assume that he'll be in two of those games. So he'll get those 14 innings. And then I assume that he'll probably get like one or two more starts. So we'll see how it plays. But the question is also like with Sean Murphy, 
you know, he's fine, but, you know, he's got a 28% strikeout rate. You know, he's walking a lot. So if you're an OBP, he's more valuable. Um, you know, I do like the profile. It looks pretty nice, generally speaking. Um, again, it's a small sample size. So I think it's a toss-up. Um, you know, I gave Carreratini one additional week. I was thinking about dropping him for like Cervelli or Trump. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, so I think it's kind of a little bit of a toss-up, but I decided to give him one more week. But I, I see where the frustration is coming from as a Caratini owner. Yeah, it's a, it's a wild one there. A couple, I'm just going to mention the news and notes. We don't need to talk about them because we'll do some more listener questions here. But DJ, I, the love, May- I love news and notes too. DJ the Mayhew to the IL. Um, Michael Brantley's on the IL. CJ Crone's done for the season. I will ask you your opinion on this one. Steven Strasburg, we've, again, we talked about him before. He came back, second start, got pulled again because of the, the nerves in his hands, couldn't feel things. They're saying it's like a carpal tunnel. They're doing a bunch of different tests on him. Regardless of the fact, I'm not overly thrilled with this. Um, for so for your jeans burger, what are you recommending to people here? Because I know we need to find out what exactly it is. You're not dropping them unless it's severe, but like, what's your level of concern with this? Oh, big time. Yeah. You know, just because they just won the championship, he's coming back. He doesn't want any long term issues. He just signed the long term deal. The season's kind of falling apart on the Nats a little bit. I mean, they're still in contention. Obviously, they're probably even good. Who knows? But like, um. You know, they kind of need him and they need him to be healthy for when 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 the, the postseason comes around, you know, assuming they can be one of those top uh, 16. I think the challenge for them, man, that rotation is pretty bad. I mean, Annabelle Sanchez has been awful. I dropped him in a bunch of leagues, even though he has the two step this week. Uh, pretty decent two step as well. Uh, Voth has been bad. I mean, yes, the surface numbers are fine, but he looks awful. I was big into him, but man. He cannot strike a guy out. He can't get anybody out. He's got a super low Babbitt, even though he's given up a ton of hard contact. It's just recipe for disaster there for me. Um, and again, you guys can always turn it around. Sanchez struggled early last year. So anyways, that's a roundabout saying, I think we find out what happens to Strasburg, but I'm not, I don't have any grand expectations. And it's killer because I have that main event with DeGrom and Strasburg. And then I have, um, a high stakes league where my first two picks were Verlander and Strasburg. And um, my, my pick after that was Granky, which is great, but Granky doesn't get K's. And that's why I got Verlander and Strasburg. And so I'm like second to last in, in K's and my, the rest of my team is pretty good, but I just, I don't know if I'm going to be able to overcome it. We'll see. Uh, Gene Carl Stanton, he's back to the IL. Aaron Judge is on the IL, but Aaron Judge actually came out today. He's fine. He just wanted a few days off. They put him on the IL. He'll be back at the end of the week. He's 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 hit taking batting practice tomorrow. So don't panic just, there, folks. He's going to be back. Um, a few others, Mike Clevenger. Just in Jack- time for to strike out against Degrom. J- Jacob Degrom. Yeah. Yes. Um, that slider. Clevenger and Plesac both got optioned to the training site. So that's fun. Keep an eye on that, which means they have to be down there for at least 10 days unless someone gets injured to replace. So there's a good chance you get no Clevenger again this week. So have fun with that. Uh, you break the rules, uh, the, the Indians are going to make you pay. That's, that's oh, yeah. I mean, Clevenger deserves 100% of it, and Plesak deserves 200. Yeah. yeah, if anybody wants to hate hate uh, Zach Plesak, go look at his video. Moron. Just moron. Um, Sean Doolittle, EIL, just locks up Hudson, saves some more. Uh, Marlins, like Alcantara, Rojas, Cooper, all those guys that had COVID, they're supposed to be getting activated early this week. They've been training. They're supposed to be coming back sometime this week, 
looks like Craig Mish is saying early this week. So keep an eye on them if you have them. Hopefully we get news maybe tomorrow for if you're on a weekly league. If Alcantara comes back, he's ready to go. That's a guy you're going to want to throw. So just keep that in mind, uh, an eye on that. The Reds, um, we know it takes days sometimes for people to test positive when this stuff happens. But right now there's no positive test, so they're following the protocol. Um, They have an off day on Monday, then they're at the Royals, and then they got St. Louis for four. So keep an eye on that. Uh, You might just want to sit your Reds, but it's tough when you got Castellanos and a few others. So keep them in mind. Other than that, I got more listener questions if you're ready for them. Yeah, I mean, the one thing on their Reds, I mean, the incubation period is two to 14 days, and the median time is four to five days, you know? And so I imagine they'll probably cancel the first the Royals. The first series of the of the weekend. Um and but yeah, yeah, it's tough. I was yeah, it's um it's a challenging situation. Let's hope everybody's uh ends up healthy and it works out like it has in most other teams and there's no no serious complications. So well the, the fun the fun debate on Twitter this evening was the CDC guidelines have changed a little bit and they said if um, someone testing positive but has not been showing symptoms for 10 days they're allowed to be around people again because you can test positive for up to three to four months and not have symptoms and not be contagious. So like they did, they've done it in golf for, if you tested positive yeah. after your period, they make you come back and you play in a, they call it a COVID group. You have to do that for like two tournaments and then you're fine. Even if you test positive and no issues have happened there. I know golf's not baseball. I get it, but it's yeah. worked. It's worked. And um, this has come out, of course, you know, Twitter, the way Twitter is, people blew up like this is stupid, but it's from the CDC. Like, is yeah. there people that are giving us regulations? <laughs> totally. It's, so it's that's how – um, might get to play sooner if all these – because they missed four, like three or four days already. If they miss this Royal Series by the weekend, you're closed in on seven to ten days. So yes. they might totally. get three. Yeah. CDC got – I mean, it's, it's ten days and – um, 24 hours without symptoms, I think now, at least in, in California, I know that that's what they're doing at the California Department of Public Health. So, you know, and, and those are scientists who are, and doctors who are making those determinations. And so yeah, that's Rob Manfred that, making a proclamation. This is actual science. Totally. Yeah. And I, my understanding is that's just the way that viruses kind of work and reproduce. So, you know, that, that's, that's fine. That's what we should be doing is following science. Yeah, so that's good there. Uh, some more listener questions. I like this one from the Crab Shack. This is a fun one because Dom Smith has has been on a tear for at least a week or close to a week. Dom Smith or Mark Connor the rest of the year. This is a fun one. I'm a big Mark Connor fan. He had a home run over the weekend against the Giants. He's kind of been slow and steady, not really lighting the world on fire, where Dom Smith has just – he's hitting cleanup. He's getting the job done. I'm leaning Dom Smith there just because I'd rather hit in the east over the west also. But I'm going Dom Smith. Let's say you, Toby. Um, yeah, for me, this is a tough one. This is a tough one for me. Um, I'm probably going to go with Kana. Um, just because I think he plays every day. Is Smith playing against lefties? Uh, he's been playing every day right now. Yes, he has. Okay. Once Joannis left the team, he's been playing every day. Um, oh man, this is tough. I don't know. It's a, it's a tie, Bubba. It's, really it's a tie. It's a tie. I mean, Smith looks great. Don't get me wrong. I have trouble saying no to Kana because he is doing everything. Like he, 
His O swing is like 18%. He swings at no pitches outside the zone. His contact rate is league average. His hard hit rate is through the roof as well, right? He hits a few more ground balls. I think that's where Dom Smith has improved this year. Is I think his ground ball rate's around 34%, as opposed to in the low 40s where Kana's is. Kana plays in a better environment, like better uh, team, you know, context. Um, so I think it's it's kind of a toss-up. I don't know. I'd really have to dig into it. I'd probably go with Kana just because of the feel like there's more track record there. I'm sorry to disappoint everybody who wanted me to choose Smith there. Um, Simon asks again, another one, uh, David Peterson of the Mets. He's had a, a handful of starts. He's looked good. Looked really good. He's been a heavy ground ball guy in the minors, a lower ground ball rate. Um, and he's not striking out a ton of guys, but he's got the job done so far. Kind of a, I wouldn't say smoke and mirrors is the right word, but he's, he's getting it done. And then Castellani of the Rockies, he made his Coors debut this week, pitched really, really well. Shocked me. I didn't think he pitched that well his first time. Prior to that, he had a 4 inning outing in Seattle. He pitched well. So he's had two great starts. Um, Alex Fast sent me a gif when I was tweeting about him, showing his slider movement and his fastball movement, which is ridiculous. I did not know this kid could do this. I'm still not sold on Castellani going into Coors and making things happen. Peterson, if you need to stream a guy, I can see going there in the right matchup because of his ground ball potential. He's just not lighting the world on fire strikeout-wise, and the more and more guys put him in play, it's going to eventually catch up to him with his bouncy ball. So I'd go Peterson over Castellani for now, even though Castellani might have the more explosive stuff. I just don't trust Coors. Um, any insight on those two, Toby? Yeah, I, I didn't put in bids for either of them. I think you're right on with Peterson. It's just it's just the type of profile that just doesn't interest me really. Like, you know, he's a lefty, you know, slightly below league average swinging strike rate, doesn't do much, relies on kind of, smoke and mirrors or contact management to be successful. I don't really believe that. Uh, Costolani is certainly interesting with that one performance, but like you mentioned, Coors, like really at what point do you feel comfortable starting him at Coors? And then if this wasn't something that we had seen coming, like if, if this wasn't, let's see, like, yeah. So like in 2019, he had an eight ERA in 43 innings in triple A in 2018, he had a 5.49 ERA in AA, 4.81 in 2017. Hasn't had a whip, you know, in the last three years, 1.331.53194. I just don't see why we would necessarily anticipate that, you know, he could make this type of a jump. Obviously, it's an incredible performance that he had, that he put together. It was also like four and a third inning, I think. He threw very few... Um, strikes um you know his, his zone percentage was super low and he wasn't getting guys to chase on pitches outside the zone so i just think that it's uh i just think it's a situation where it's just a matter of time before he he gets clobbered all right uh from twitter at smms 79 asks holding trent grisham in a 10 team league would you hold trent grisham a 10 team league oh hell yeah yeah, I love Trent Grisham. Grisham is, you know, he's doing it all. Like the only thing he was missing before this year was the quality of contact. And this year he's brought that. I mean, the barrels are through the roof. The hard hit rate's up 12%. You know, his contact rate is great as usual. His O swing is among the league leaders. You know, he strikes out a little bit, you know, maybe slightly too much, but I think that should come down. So, um, yeah, I love – he hits the ball – in the air a bunch. I, I really love Grisham. 
Um, I mean, obviously in OBP, he's super valuable, but just in general, I think he's a really valuable guy. He also asks, is Jose Urquidy worth a stash? If you have room, I would. It's tough to have room on a roster right now to, to stash guys, but I yeah. would. Very good. Yeah, that's the tough thing with Urquidy. And, and I saw a note that earlier this week he was only up to 25 pitches, you know, and they're still debating the role. So I once again go through the questions of like, okay, so – you know, I'm store stashing him not for a week, probably not for two weeks, maybe for three weeks, you know, before he comes back, if he's going to be a starter. And then if he's not in the starter, is he in the bullpen? And if he's in the bullpen, do I even want him? You know, so there's all these kind of if thens that have to be answered yes to have him be relevant. So I thought about it. I had him higher on some of my fab claims earlier this week and I brought him down just because I was like, I, you know, it's just not there. And then again, like, Yes, he was very good last year. But again, if we're dealing with not only just the 60-game season, but if he's only going to start five or six games, are we really sure that he's going to pitch well? Like, is he that good? Like, do we know what his velocity is? Do we know he's bringing everything that he had last year? We've seen a lot of guys who have had, like, kind of minor injuries and have come back, and they're not quite there. Velo's down a little bit, and they get they get hammered. Um, so I, I just don't think he's worth it at this point. Yeah, it's very, very tough with him. I, I like him going into the year, but if he's not playing, it's tough to do. Uh, Dave Petrozello, I did it right that time, I think. Dave Petrozello. You did. That was great. Um, he asks, he's looking for pitching in his 15-team league. So he, he picked up guys like Alex Young, Kevin Gossman, Daniel Ponce de Leon this week. Um, I like the Gossman pickup, especially in, in, in SF. He was the guy I wanted the most out of the big three, I guess you could say there. We saw him strike out the world over the weekend. Uh, there's a lot of Ponce de Leon hype. Andy Young, I'm not in love with, but I've seen people that are. Do you like the three guys he picked up this week? Uh, yes. Um, so I think the challenge with um, I think the challenge with Gaussman is that he's going to get the Angels this week, which is great, and then he's going to have the Dodgers, and then I think he has a game at Coors. So in two of his next three. So I didn't put in big bids because I was like, I'm probably not going to start him in, in two of his next three starts. But he has looked very good. Um, and so I, I think that's a great pickup. I mean, he was at the top of any of pitchers that were available in 15-team leagues for me. I love Alex Young. I don't love him this week. He's a lefty. Um, and he has a ton of good pitches that work. Um, I was super into him early in the draft season. And... Um, and so he just kind of throws the kitchen sink at you, and he's got a lot of good pitches. A fastball just isn't one of them. I think mean, he's got a cutter that's actually pretty effective. But he goes up against the A's, and I don't think I'd feel comfortable starting him this week against the A's just because they're such a heavy right-handed squad. Um, I'd be worried about that. However, I was going after him pretty hard this week. I think I got him in one or two places for the following week because if he stays in the rotation, which is an if, then he's going to have – um, a uh, Colorado at home and then Giants at home double tap next week. And that I think is about as nice of a double tap as you can um, two-star week that you can have. And I think he can get K's. I don't think he's, you're going to see volume. I think you're hoping for five to six innings from the guy. Um, but I think he can be very good. I, I really like that pickup. And Ponce de Leon, um, yes, I also liked him. I put in some bids, but I didn't get him because I just wasn't going to go 
over the moon with him. My concern always with him is, um, is control. He walks a ton of guys, um, but it seems like he's, his velo's up a little bit and um, he's added some new pitches this year just based on the one start that I've seen. So he's definitely a guy who had a lot of hype from a lot of smart people this off season. And so I, I, I could see where he could, could do well. So I think of the, of the 15 team leagues where starting pitchers are available, I think those are about the three best that you could do. Yeah. All right. Joe G from Twitter. He actually asked a question in the chat earlier, but from Twitter, he asks Aaron Hicks or Gritchick and, we, and a six by six roto. And we talked about Gritchick earlier for me. I'm a huge Aaron Hicks fan. I love Aaron Hicks. Uh, he's been a massive disappointment right now. He's really getting off to a slow start. If you look at his his stat cast page, he's actually not doing like his X stats point to better things. He's hitting the ball harder than he hit in any time in his career. Barrel rates down. So there's a lot of question marks there with Hicks. They moved him to leadoff tonight. Maybe that'll help get him going. I don't know. I, I the talent level's there for Hicks. He's just not doing it. He's on a great offense. I take Gritchick right now. We talked about it earlier. He's got eight games this week. I think five lefties, as uh, they pointed out in the chat earlier. I'd go with Gritchick, but it, it's tough because I could see Hicks just going off too. Yeah, I think it's really – I think it's tough. Um, I would probably go with – again, like all of these things for me, like when they're this close, they're so contextual. It's like what are you good in? What are you not good in? Where do you need improvement in? Uh, if it was in a vacuum, I'd probably lean Hicks. Just because that sixth category, the OPS, I mean, they're both not going to help you in batting average. Hicks will probably help you more in runs, though, because he gets on base more. He's in a better lineup, especially I mean, not that Bichette really impacts Grichuk that much. Grichuk is really like a power and RBI guy, right? And so in those six categories, he's helping you in maybe two, you know? Um, so I'd probably lean with Hicks in that particular situation. Um, yeah, so... Yeah. All right. Uh, we kind of answered this already, but if you have a quick answer for him, Big Friendly Giant asks, Family Reyes won't stay hot forever. What are some trends you look for that might be predictive of another cold streak? Um, opponents? <laughs> I mean, I think the challenging thing is about these things, right, is it's very hard to predict when somebody's going to go off. And I think the best indicator of when that's going to happen is the opposition, right? Like, you know, I'm assuming Fran Mill mashes lefties, but if you see a week where he's going to have a bunch of lefties, then I, that, that would be great. If he has some tough pitching matchups, which, you know, like if he's playing the Reds and, you know, he's going up against Gray and, and Bauer and Castillo or something like that, then I'd be afraid. But I think that's why with a guy like Fran Mill, you have him in the lineup all the time is because the assumption is, you know, and I hate using the stock market as an example, but it's kind of like, I can't remember what it, what it is, but like in the 10 biggest days of the stock market, like that's, that's where you, where you, where you have huge gains is there are days and you cannot predict when they are, but when the stock market goes up a ton. Right. And so the reason why you don't generally speaking again, and I don't know the stock market very well, but the reason why you just have things in there for the long haul or that's one of the major strategies with like a retirement fund is because you're in it for the long haul. And over the course of the full season, the peaks and the valleys are going to outweigh each other and are going to, are going to kind of smoothen out to the true talent level. Right. And so with Fran Mill, you have them in there every single day, you know, and you just, that way you get the hot streaks that he's having right now. 
and you you also get the bad streaks, but you're hoping that at the end of the season, you've got a guy who's hitting 260 with on pace for 35 to 40 home runs, 100 RBIs, and that's kind of what you bargain for. So don't try to play those matchups too fine with a guy like Fran Mill because you could end up missing that three-day stretch where he gets, you know, 15% of his value for the full year or 25% of his value for the full year. Okay, we're running out of time, Toby, so I'm going to need some rapid fire from you here. Um, uh, Hernandez. I don't do rapid fire. Bro. I know. I, yeah, we're aware of that. Um, yeah. Elie Hernandez, must own in 10-team leagues? Um, I haven't do- dove in close enough. He's definitely somebody who interested me last year. Um, swinging strike rate's great. Slider is great. I saw, I think it was Michael Simeone. He's been a big proponent of him. Uh, SP Streamer, also shout out to him for the Rotographs. Um writing for rotographs now. That's awesome. Um, so uh, anyways, you said to keep it short. So I would say I worry about him with lefties. He's not going to give you volume. I don't know if he has an outpitch against lefties. I haven't dug in deep enough to know that for sure. So I would do your own research and figure out whether you feel like there's something different happening this year to previous years. Otherwise, I, you know, I think he's a, he's a shallow league streamer at this point. Yeah. Not a must on a 10 team 12. I could see 15 for sure. So Go get him there. Uh, Eric Samolski asks, uh, what do you think of the Cardinals situation? He picked up Andrew Miller in some NFPC leagues. We saw Ryan, uh, Gant get some late inning rolls. Reyes was getting loose late. There's Gallegos. Who are you picking in the Cardinals bullpen? Well, the only quote that I saw was Schultz saying that Gallegos is the is kind of the fireman. Like in the high leverage situations he's going to be in, which to me indicates that that is probably not going to be the closer role the most, most often. Um and so I, I had them ordered Gant. Gallegos was gone, but I had them ordered Gant and then Miller just because Gant got that first opportunity. He's also a righty. And Miller, they've never given him saves, really. Um, and so I don't know why that is, but um, I just think – and, and uh, Gant, they've given – I think they, he got a couple saves last year maybe, something like that. So I went with Gant, but it was a spec. spec. I think I – I think I put in like a $15 bid and I got him a couple places just to see and ride it out to see whether he gets anything out of it. All right. And the last question we have here from RIS 0867, who would you sit this week? Uh, John Birdie, who has eight games this week, or Andres Jimenez, who's been playing well, but there's other people starting to show up. They're getting healthy. So be careful. He plays seven games. Um, I'm going to play Birdie. Who are you playing? Yeah. I mean, I'm assuming that you're playing them for speed and if you're playing them for speed, then I'm going with um, with Birdie. Um, a super useful tool is the fantasy forecast over at ESPN for stolen bases. So, like, if we look at this week, I would I would take a look at this and just say the Mets actually don't have good stolen base matchups. This week it doesn't look like, you know, on a scale from 1 to 10, he's got – they've got four fives, a two, a two, and a three. And then if you look at the Marlins, they have – pretty much all tens. So if you're going to start John Birdie any week, this should be the week that you start John Birdie. He is going to get you. Let's, let's do it. I'm going to say he's going to get you four stolen bases this week. Eight games. It's not bad. John Birdie's going to get you four and Victor Robles is going to get you 12 this week. Wow. That's big. That's big. That's like, one and a half a game, I think, this week. Or actually, that's a two a game. Two a yeah. game this week. Okay, I'm going to say that not – I'm going to say 
uh, I was lying there. But John Birdie is going to get you four stolen bases this week. Um, you will be very happy. That would be big. It's very And doable. Victor Robles will get his first stolen base against the Braves there in the go. first three games of the season. You heard it here first. Him, him and Trey Turner go steal some bags. It'll happen. It's oh, man. It's going to be insane. The yeah. amount of stolen bags like that are going to be happening this week in the NL East is going to be nuts, dude. You guys have not – I don't. I can't even – I can't even compare it to anything you've ever seen before. That's good stuff. He can't compare it, so we're good. There you go. (laughs) Incomparable. Incomparable. That's what that means. Outstanding. Outstanding. We have smorgasbord of steals. So um, you can – thanks for listening, everybody. Thanks for joining us in the live chat. That was a lot of fun. Hopefully we do it again. Uh, We'll see you guys in here next week. That'll be uh, great as well. Uh, Parting thoughts for the week, Toby. Uh, no, I mean, we're nearing like the midway point, I think at some time soon here. Um, just remember, I think we're starting to get into the phase of the season where hopefully you're in competition, really be looking at your standings and figuring out where are my weaknesses and letting that drive your decision-making. You know, you got to compensate for those weaknesses or else at least be thinking about what is my strategy for winning or finishing in the money, whatever it is your goal for the rest of the season, you got to start thinking about how you manipulate your roster you manipulate your fab moves to, to kind of carry out that strategy. So um, that is what I would say. And look out for stolen bases in the NL East, baby. There they go. They're coming. They're coming in bunches, everybody. So go check out Toby on Twitter at BatFlipCrazy. Um, I'm Matt Pediatric. We have a lot of fun games ahead of us this week, a lot of double headers. So there's a lot of teams playing seven-plus games this week. So get your lineups locked and loaded. Watch the news. It's going to be another wild one. But uh, if you have any questions, Ask us on Twitter. We're always there to help you. If not, join us next Sunday night, 8 p.m. Pacific time. We'll be back. Same bat time, same bat channel. So uh, this is another episode of Bubba in the Bath episode 47. I like that, Bubba. I like that ending. (laughs) I'm here. That was great.